Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, before we dive into today's episode, if you're feeling fed up with the writing that your students are producing, then I want to tell you that if you don't have a solid plan for teaching writing, and I'm not just talking topic sentences, details, that sort of stuff, like a solid plan from A to Z, then your students are going to continue to struggle with writing. And unfortunately, that means that you are going to continue to grade mediocre essays, piles upon piles of them, and just hate grading, right, for the rest of your life. And I want to say, you know, for the past eight years, we have been obsessed with writing. That is actually the foundation upon which EB Academics was born, was our EBW approach, our EB writing framework. And that is specifically literary analysis. That's the foundation from which every other writing style is built inside of our EB writing program. And we're really dialed into exactly what works to get your students to be rock star writers. And we have some really simple strategies that we've put together for you in a free live workshop. So It's four proven strategies for teaching literary analysis writing like a pro, and it is an absolutely free workshop. It is live. We put together a pop-up Facebook group, three bonus trainings in the pop-up Facebook group, and we're giving away a ton of cool prizes, including two Hue document cameras, my favorite, favorite teaching item, Hue document camera, as well as a MacBook Air and some other fun giveaways. So we'd love to invite you to join us. If you go to ebacademics.com forward slash writing 22, you can sign up for free. Just pick your date for the free live workshop and then make sure that you join us in the Facebook group. And what I love so much about this is these are strategies that you can easily implement into your class period. Even if you think, you know, I'm not a great writer myself, so how am I supposed to teach writing to my students? Or you just feel like, you know, there isn't enough time in the day to teach writing or any of the other objections that you have about teaching writing, which I know so many of us as writing teachers hate teaching writing. That is not going to be the case after joining us for our free workshop. So again, if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash writing 22, definitely make sure that you join us for this experience. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. And Jessica, hi, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your summer and finding some time to relax and have fun with family. Yes, totally. As we move into mid-July, crazy, right? Crazy. All right. So last week on the podcast, we talked about three things writing frameworks do to create successful writers. And today we're going to be talking about three things all great writing teachers already do. So last week we talked about students. This week we're talking about teachers. Um, And the whole month of July is heavily focused on writing, you know, July is like writing month here at EB Academics. We have a free live event that we're hosting um, currently right now. And we'd love for you to come be a part of that with us. Sign up for one of our free hour-long trainings events. Come join us in our pop-up Facebook group, get the bonus trainings, free resources. And then we're also opening up our EB writing program to the public very soon, like 
in a couple of days next week. So excited. I'm just like so excited to welcome a new cohort of teachers. I have to say, getting the feedback throughout this last school year, right. In the midst of a freaking pandemic, like <laughs> I can't even imagine what it was like to be a teacher in a classroom this year. Um, but just to get the great feedback that we got from so many of our EB writing program teachers about how they were able to see incredible successes with their students using what we teach in our program, despite the fact that they were teaching in a pandemic. Like it was just so cool to read time and time again. A hundred percent. And can I share a proud like mommy moment really yes. quickly? <laughs> I haven't told Caitlin this, you guys. Oh, I'm excited um, to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I think it's cute. So as some of you might know, I homeschooled my son for the first half of the year. And because, you know, we develop writing curriculum, I used our writing frameworks with him. And I was like, we are going to really practice this. We're going big. And he did a great job. And when we got, he went back to school in January in person and we just got his report card and he's in second grade or he just finished. So it's all like working towards standards, meeting standards, his exceeding standards. One was writing. And I was so proud of him (laughs) because he learned these frameworks and he felt really good about himself. And he's in second grade. Second grade. Now, of course I, you know, I made it much more basic and we worked with easier texts, but I just loved it. So that was a very small win, but I still felt really proud. That's a huge win. That's awesome. Congratulations to you and to Jameson. To Jameson, yeah. I will tell him. (laughs) Um, What was I saying? Three great things all teachers do. Well, just after this year, it's been. That yes. what a year it's been. And so the success is the wins that teachers are seeing. So I just shared my really small win, but teachers are sharing much larger wins. And it's just incredible, yeah. incredible results. Um, so if you haven't signed up for our free live event and you're not a part of our pop-up Facebook group right now, uh, please come join us. It's so much fun. We have, you know, thousands of teachers joining us. It's just such a cool experience and a great community to be a part of, to just feel inspired, to feel engaged, excited to go back to the classroom and implement these strategies and a new writing approach as we head into a new school year that will hopefully be nothing like the school year that just happened. Um, So we'd love to invite you to join us. Go to ebacademics.com forward slash literary analysis. Again, that's ebacademics.com forward slash literary analysis. You can join us right now. The Facebook group is open. We're ready to go, ready to hang out with you. So hope to see you there. Yeah. Come in and say hi to us. Yes. Let's dive into everything. So what are the three things? Like, let's cover them and then we'll go in depth with them. Um, Three things that all great writing teachers already do. So number one, great writing teachers are using a scope and sequence. Number two, they are not spending so much time grading. Doesn't that sound wonderful? (laughs) And number three, they're engaging their students. They're getting their students excited to write. Yeah. You have to think to yourself for a second. Am I doing those things? Do I have a scope and sequence? Am I not spending my nights and weekends grading? And am I getting my students pumped up for writing class? Right. And I love the scope and sequence one, you know, this really ties into like a huge part of our philosophy that we talked about in our book and our EV lesson planning approach and all of that stuff is just the importance of knowing exactly where you're going with your students for the year, right? In the same capacity that we talked about frameworks, giving students a roadmap in last week's podcast episode, you know, the scope and sequence gives you a very clear roadmap for the year in terms of, you know, exactly when you're teaching narrative writing, but we're not teaching narrative writing in isolation, right? When are you going to be spiraling in narrative writing? And the only reason that you'll know that, or the only way that you'll know that is if you have a very clear scope and sequence. And so we actually provide 
different kinds of scopes and sequences. Scopes and sequences are both plural scope and sequence. Not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Um, in our EB writing program. So we provide like a full overview for the year of how we suggest you teach all of the different writing styles. You know, we suggest you start with narrative writing. Maybe you've heard us talk about this on the podcast before. Then you move into our EBW approach, which is like this foundational signature approach of our program, all focused on literary analysis. And then we have suggestions for you of where you should go next, you know, into expository writing, which expository writing style are you going to choose? And then into argumentative and persuasive. But then in addition to like a full year overview, scope and sequence, we also have um, writing style scope and sequences in our program too. So like you have that massive overview of the year, and then you also have these smaller components. Like if you're teaching problem solution, how exactly are you going to pace teaching that particular unit? You know, it's over the course of X number of days. This is what we suggest you teach on the first day, on the second day, on the third day, et cetera. So you have a very clear and concise game plan of exactly what you need to be doing in your classroom. Um, and I just think that's hugely helpful. I know sometimes we sit down to do a scope and sequence and it's blank and it's overwhelming. And it's like, I can't, I can't do that, you know? Right. And so why is a scope and sequence? Why is that one of the things that makes you a great teacher? Well, we believe it's because you know what you're doing on any given Mm -hmm. day. So you're prepared for your students. You have a game plan. And like Caitlin mentioned earlier, you're spiraling in those activities. You're not just hitting a standard and saying, okay, I covered narrative writing. We're done. We know our students haven't mastered narrative writing after one assignment. So you're intentionally building in that practice throughout your year. And you're going to see better results from your students. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't allow you to fly by the seat of your pants. Right. You know, like I can't tell you how many times in my first few years of teaching and be like, Oh, I've got to teach gerunds. Let's do that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? No, you have to know exactly what you're doing when, and it makes your life a whole heck of a lot easier as a teacher, right? You get a lot of that balance back when you have a very clear roadmap in a scope and sequence for yourself. So that's one of the things great teachers do. And I think that ties in perfectly to the second thing you're talking about balance with teachers. Well, another thing great ELA teachers are already doing is you're not spending so much time grading, mm-hmm. right? We know we've got an interesting situation as writing teachers. We have sometimes up to what 90, 130, I don't know, whatever the number of students was the most students I ever had. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 150 students. There you go. And you have to grade their essays and they all come in at once, right? Sometimes it just, it's like the perfect storm of grading. Yes. And so we spend our nights and our weekends grading in addition to planning and trying to make things fun for our students. But the grading doesn't have to take that long. And I think great writing teachers have figured out tips and tricks to be more efficient with their grading. And one of those is using a rubric, right? When you give your students a rubric in advance of their writing assignment, so they are purposely checking to make sure they're including everything they need, it's going to make grading so much easier, first of all. And then when you use that rubric to assess them, you can just quickly circle on the rubric what you need to address. Now we're not just talking any old rubric with, you know, very basic things like intro body paragraph conclusion, one, two, three, four. No, we're giving (laughs) specifics. Like for example, if it was narrative writing, the introduction part might say 
writes an engaging and compelling lead that we studied in class. And we've already taught our students the different types of leads. So we can just check on their narrative essay and say, oh yes, they covered one of those leads or nope, it's missing. So I can quickly go through their writing, saving myself a whole bunch of time and not spending hours and hours. Great. Yeah. It's not good for you. It's not good for your students because let's be honest. When you spend hours grading and you're writing comments all over their paper and then they get it back, they glance at it and boom, it goes in their folder and they never look at it again. Yeah. Right. That's a waste of your time. It's a waste of everyone's time. Totally. We've got to change that. Totally. And I think it's so important to, to get student feedback to them right away, you know? And when I was first, my first few years teaching high school, English, 150 students, you know, and I had a rubric, like what you were talking about. It was like introduction, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I would be like, okay, I'm read the introduction. Hmm. This is like a seven. And then I felt like I had to like justify why, because right. I was like arbitrarily choosing a number seven, because that's kind of like what I felt that paragraph was like. Sure. And, and so it's I like, said, how is a seven different than a five or, it's or so an eight weird. or a yeah. seven and a half? Like what the heck? It means nothing because there was nothing guiding me in my grading. Yeah. And so I would have to leave all of these comments on my students' papers, exact thing that you're saying. I'd give it back to them. They'd throw it away or put it in their binder, never to see it again. And so it wasn't valuable for them. But then, mm-hmm. you know, once we created this rubric that we have in our EB writing program, which side note, we have a whole module that teaches you how to effectively use the rubric that we've provided in our EB writing program. So it's not like we just give you a rubric. We teach you how to use it effectively. Um, you know, I was able to get to a point where I was grading a student essay in like four or five minutes. And I was able to get those essays turned around back to them with quality feedback because of the way in which I was grading, you know, great writing teachers are not spending all of their time grading student writing. That does not, you know, hours upon hours upon hours of leaving feedback, does not a great writing teacher make. In fact, it's going to exhaust you to no end and you're going to resent it, you know, on some level, and you're not going to want to assign as many essays as you probably could, because you're in the back of your mind thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to grade all of these papers. But if you're not bogged down by grading, guess what? I'm like, Hey, let's do an essay, you know, like let's throw in another, let's throw in an extra essay because it wasn't a daunting task to have to sit there and grade them. Like it used to be in my first few years. Yeah. And let's piggyback off that for a second. Great writing teachers don't always assign essays. You can assign just a body paragraph and grade that, or just an intro paragraph and Mm -hmm. grade that focus on a different part of writing, maybe just grade a lead in a narrative writing assignment or whatever it is. They're still practicing. You're still grading, but you've just cut your time in probably more than half. Totally. And I want to add another side note. This is from Suzanne, one of our EB writing teachers as Mm -hmm. well. And she was saying that with the EBW framework that she taught her students from our program, she said, I was able to get my students final drafts so much faster because the kids were getting it right? Like she didn't have to spend as much time grading because they understood and were writing better, which that makes a huge difference for us too. Totally. When they're following a framework and you're like, yep, check. They have a premise. They have evidence, et cetera. Oh my gosh. It makes great. I remember actually (laughs) grading the essays. So when I was an ELA coach, I worked with the homeroom teacher and I did all the grading of the essays for her because she nice had a lot going on. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I would get them back to her within like a day. Now I did not have 150 students. This was probably like 33 students, but she was always like, how did you do that so quickly? And I'm like, A, I use the rubric. B, they're using the framework. So it makes it so much easier to grade. Like this doesn't have to be a daunting task. Yeah. Love that one. I think that is like, cause that's something we get questions about all the time. Yeah. You know, Instagram direct messages or on Facebook posts and things like that. 
people are like, how do you grade? And I'm like, well, it's in the EB writing program. Yep. There you, <laughs> you go. Know, we teach you Don't exactly overthink it. Do it. Don't overthink it. All right. Last one. Last what one. is the third thing that all great writing teachers already do? I love this one. It's all about engage your students, right? Get them excited to write. So I'm going to share some examples with you. These come from the EB writing program. You can easily do them in your classroom too, but it's ways to hook your students and get them excited. So for example, if you're doing argumentative writing with your students, this is something we love to do. We give our students a whodunit mystery. It includes a picture and like a, maybe a paragraph or two blurb about something that's happened. Maybe it's a murder mystery, or if that's a little too dark, you know, maybe it's a, a stolen iPad from a classroom, whatever it is. And there's clues all over the paper and students have to come up with a theory of what happened. They have to find evidence. They have to justify it, come up with a counterclaim. Can you see how this ties into argumentative (laughs) writing? So we hook them. We're teaching them all that vocabulary of claim, counterclaim, et cetera. And then we're going to do a deep dive into argumentative writing. Yeah. And that's actually what we have in our writing program for the argumentative section is a a story to introduce that Yep, mystery story. Another example Let's say you're doing persuasive writing. Well, this time we might do a speed debating activity to hook our students. We're going to set up our classroom with desks facing each other. Oh, you can do that again this year. It'll be so nice, right? <laughs> you don't have to do it on Zoom. We give them really interesting topics that students can debate and they go back and forth and they have to use, I always mess these up, Caitlin. You're going to have to help me. Ethos, pathos, logos. Logos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't use them with my fifth graders too much. So Caitlin's more yeah, no, I them in high school for sure. Totally. Yeah. But students have to use that, that dynamic, strong, persuasive vocabulary to convince each other that their position is correct. They're keeping track of like strong words, their partner use. And then we do our deep dive into persuasive writing and they have this backbone of, Oh yeah, that's the type of argument I was using. And that's speed mm-hmm. debating activity, but they're hooked. They're engaged. So they're actually excited to write. So we've got yeah. a whole bunch of more ideas for you inside the EB writing program that we share with you. But it's important to know that you want to hook students because once you have their Mm buy-in and they're not dreading writing, they're actually more willing to put forth a bit more effort and have fun with their assignment, which makes their writing stronger, which makes your life easier because grading is not taking so much time. So it all comes full circle. (laughs) So again, to reiterate the three things that all great writing teachers already do, you use the scope and sequence. Do you do that? Yes or no, or maybe not as effectively as you'd like to. Number two, you're not spending as much time grading or that much time grading for that matter. And number three, you are bringing in engagement into your writing lessons, hooking students from the beginning of every single writing lesson and just getting them excited to write. So with that being said, again, we are in the midst of our free live events called Four Proven Strategies for Teaching Literary Analysis. Um, We are so excited about this. Our EB writing program is opening for enrollment to the public next week. We've got a whole lot of fun things happening over in the pop-up Facebook group in conjunction with this free event. So if you would love to join us, which we'd love to have you if you haven't already, go to ebacademics.com forward slash literary analysis. Again, that's evacademics.com forward slash literary analysis. And we really hope to see you there. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. And last podcast episode of the month, focusing on writing still. We're going to talk about working less and getting better results. Sounds like why would you want that? Love it. (laughs) All right, you guys. We'll see you next week. Have a good one, everyone.